The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of me and or my ma, and we do not mean to offend. Warning, most names have been changed, dates might be a bit off, and general facts might be a bit exaggerated. So if you're picky, this might not be for you, because the point is, is that it's a good story. This is episode 13 from season one, Ma and her brief encounter with the Friendship Center murderer. And Ma finds herself at Robert Kennedy's funeral, which originally aired on March 25th, 2020. I would like to thank our sponsor, Moccasin Joe Coffee, an indigenous owned and operated company out of Gunasadage and Canada Council for the Arts for making season two possible. Okay, so one thing that I was having a hard time with was choosing how to end the season. I felt the pressure that I had to do a bomb-ass exit like our entrance. I ended up settling on two little stories. One is a creepy, freaky-deaky tale that true crime people might appreciate called Ma and Her Brief Encounter with the Friendship Center Murderer. And the other is the first story I ever recorded. The beginnings of what became Coffee with My Ma. I had no idea what the heck I was doing. (laughs) And that story is called Ma Finds Herself at Robert Kennedy's Funeral. All right, let's listen to Ma's first story in this last episode of season one. Here is Ma telling us about her encounter with the Friendship Center murderer. (laughs) All right, tell me the Friendship Center murderer. Okay. Once upon a time, a long time ago, actually, I think I was pre- uh, pregnant with you. Me? Yeah, I think I was. Me? And uh, anyway, these two guys. Well, didn't you say something like, "No, it starts with." No, it starts with them your cousins. Going- your cousins. No, it started at Indian Affairs. Okay. Oh, right, with you. Uh... Yeah, there was a... I don't know if it was those two guys. So it must have been uh, before before yeah, you were born. 70s. Anyway, but there was a party there, a Christmas party. And this guy was making a pass at me, a guy, a director there, you know. While you were... And he uh... wouldn't let me... He wouldn't let my hand go. When you were trying to leave? I was trying to leave. I wanted to get out of there. And uh, I think I had the kids there with me. They were little then. And uh, so I was trying to get out of there. It was a Christmas party? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where was this? At Indian Affairs? Yeah. Okay. So then uh, I said, get your hands off me. I said, get your hands off me. I looked at him. I said, if you don't, I said, I'm going to scream. So he let me go. Well, he was saying thing. Something like, oh, you're, you're so beautiful, and I'd like to get to know you better. I said, get your hands off me. Mm-hmm. See, that's the kind of harassment we used to have to put up with, eh? All the time. Yes. Like daily. It was always like that. And uh, anyway, so later on, I, I uh, heard that two guys were sitting there. And they saw. 
apparently those two guys got on the elevator with him. Wait, these two guys listened while this guy was hitting on you? Yes. And you told them to fuck off? Yes, yeah. I did. Okay. So, so I left, and then I learned later on that those two guys followed that guy that was trying to hit on me, and uh, they got on the elevator with him, and they beat him up in the elevator oh. at Indian Affairs, mm -hmm. and he was a big shot in that. <laughs> yeah, they beat him up. <laughs> but anyway, I don't know if that's connected with what happened, but these guys went to that bar not too far from Indian Affairs in Hull, and that's where all the native people go. Mm -hmm. They were in the bar, and they met up with, they met this guy, a white guy, and he was dressed in a white uh, hat, like a cowboy hat. A cowboy yeah, hat? Yeah, cowboy boots on, too, apparently. Anyway, so they were drinking, and they drank until the bar closed. So that was, you know, maybe two, three o'clock in the morning. So then the two uh, native guys said, hey, we know where to go. We can go and, you know, drink, we'll buy some drinks, and we'll go there, and nobody will bother us. I said, yeah. Yeah. So they went to the Indian Friendship Center, and he knew a way to get in there. And it was right down the street from our house, Powell. Oh, no, we were living on Glebe. Yeah. Yeah, we were together. With my dad. Your father and me, and we were still together. So anyway, um, so one morning I pick up the newspaper, and the big story on the front page is murder at the Friendship Center. And apparently the, guy, uh, the police, uh, the, the uh, hydro people went in there to go and check something in the basement. So the guy that worked there, who was married to... Your cousin. One, my cousin, yeah. Yeah. They went down there, and there was this big bundle in front of where the breaker was. And he said... So the hydro guy says, Oh, well, let's pull. we got to pull that out of the way. He said, Wow, this is heavy. You'd think there was a body in here. And it was all wrapped up in a, carpet. In a carpet. Yeah, so they pulled it away. And then they unrolled the carpet, and sure enough, there was a body in there. It was that white it guy was that with the cowboy guy. hat? Yeah, wow. with the cowboy hat. So, big thing went on, and uh, one guy, he disappeared. But the other guy, they caught him. And then he ended up getting the blame for it. Wait, this is the two feet up that guy? Yeah. And then one of them disappeared, and one of them got... Yeah. One of them uh, got in trouble for it. Yeah. And he went to jail for that. It was a trial, and he went to jail for years, actually. But a couple, of, maybe two or three, I don't know. Years later. Yeah, yeah. anyway, so we were out at the um, powwow in Ottawa. With my dad? Yeah. And uh, we used to camp out at the, pow at the powwow. Mm -hmm. And your father would do all the cooking, you know, for all the kids. We had a lot of kids, eh? Yeah. And then... Uh, so he's cooking away, and then this guy walks, walks in amongst us. And I said, oh, hi, who are you? He says, I'm the Friendship Center murderer. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at him, I recognized him. I said, oh, and then your father says, would you like something to eat? <laughs> 
yeah, yeah, I'd like that. Would you like something to eat? <laughs> <laughs> and he's a criminal lawyer anyways. So. Yeah. <laughs> so he cooks up a big breakfast for everybody and we all sit with him. And ate with and him, we, uh? The murder, yeah. And murder. the power? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was out of jail. Anyway, so then he's, he was very polite. He mm. talked really nice. He was polite and... What did he look like? And he think he was a young guy, good looking guy, mm-hmm. a young guy. <laughs> anyway, it, he was dark. He was young. Mm-hmm. He was about maybe in his twenties, I'd say. Anyway, so then he thanked us, and then you know, and then he left. Yeah. That's the story of the friendship, friendship center, center murder. murder. <laughs> I love that story. That's a good story. <laughs> it's what it's what it's what your father yeah. said. Would you like something to eat? <laughs> so there you go. That is Ma and the Friendship Center Murderer. I asked my dad and he said, I vaguely remember that, yes. (laughs) I want to see an article on this. Any of my true crime buddies out there, can you dig stuff up on this? I feel like there's way more to this epic story than my mom's secondhand account of it. Maybe one of you true crime peeps can do an episode on this, hmm? Both stories today have some aspects that are great examples of how dangerous it can be to be a woman. How we can be viewed as prey by sleazebag, fleabag predators, and the odds are even worse for native women. Alrighty, this is a special recording because it's basically the story that sparked the idea to create this entire project. I'm not sure if I've explained this on the show yet. I probably did, but whatever. I forgot, so I'll just tell it again because it's a good segue. Anyways... (laughs) I went downstairs to my mom's place to have coffee on the morning of May 26, 2017, and we started talking about the late, great Richard Oakes, who I should mention was a very, very handsome and eloquent and smart Mohawk activist. Ma was so thrilled that Google had made their homepage an homage to the Aguasasne Mohawk badass for the anniversary of his death in 1972. She talked about knowing him, and we watched some of his interviews and speeches online. And then we started talking about my favorite era, the late 60s, when the civil rights movement was in full swing. I know I've said this before on this show, but I seriously love that point in 20th century history. Ma says you could feel the shift at that time. The resistance was palpable. To me, it sounded like a really exciting time to be alive. People all over were rising up in a real way. So then, when we were talking, I was like, Hey, didn't you, like, go to Robert Kennedy's funeral or something? (laughs) Yes, she did. Here is the one and only Gandhinetta Horn telling me about the time she found herself at Robert Kennedy's funeral. that story again when you went to like uh, Robert Kennedy's funeral that's when um, we were having a meeting in, uh, down in uh, Oklahoma Wait. 
So I you... went to where I was on my way to Norma, Norman, Oklahoma, for a meeting. And what year? Nineteen sixty-eight. The year of all years. Everything happened in sixty-eight. I know. The year that uh, Robert Kennedy was killed. That yeah. was, it was that year. Well, yeah, if you went to his funeral. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the crazy. it was a crazy time, and I was uh, waiting in the O'Hare airport for um, my flight. Oh, I hate that airport. When that guy, when a guy started, you know, sending me, he wanted, wanted to... Um, to talk to me, you know, he was sitting somewhere else where we were sitting. And he was sending you what? He was sending me, uh, he saw I was drinking, uh, I, I wasn't drinking, I was just having something to drink, you know. Mm -hmm. So he came over and he joined me. And they got he was from Texas. Guy? No, a white guy. And why were you going to Oklahoma? For a big meeting in Norma, Norman, Oklahoma. And it was going to be the Chicanos and, and us. Their leader was this uh, Riaz uh, Tiarina. They had a leader, but we didn't. We just all went. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, this guy started to talk to me. You know, he says, "Where are you going?" I said, "Oh, I'm just going going to Oklahoma." He was going to San Angelo, Texas, and he was waiting for his flight. But you were just going to Oklahoma to meet with the his we were the having brown berets. Yes, and and our own people. We were meeting in Norman. And I think it was at a university venue. So anyway, they had told me, well, my flight was coming in late, and and for me to stay at this particular ho this hotel, kind of a, you know, not an expensive hotel, and then they would come and get me the following morning to drive me to Norman, which was, I don't know, maybe an hour away. So then I was, was this guy... I said, why don't you come with me to Texas and all this, you know? I'll buy your ticket and so on. I looked at him. I said, no. And then I was getting kind of annoyed with him. Mm -hmm. I said, and then I went and I got my flight. Who was he? Was he like he a white guy? He was begging me. A white guy, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember he was tall. He was wearing a black suit. And he, had, he, he was a white man. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Anyway, so he says... So I'm going, leaving, and he's standing there at the gate. I, f I found it really strange. So then I go to my flight, on my flight. I go to the hotel, and then, well, about 2 o'clock, I was watching the TV, and that's when Kennedy got killed. I was watching that. In the hotel room in Oklahoma? Yes. yes. Then, uh, next thing I know, there's a guy at my door and he I don't know how he found me how he found out anything about me but that was that guy did you answer it? no I called the I called the um, the hotel the security the front desk I said there's somebody here knocking on my door trying to get in and he, and they said oh yeah he says he's your fiance or something no he said that shut up how Just did he some know random anything? guy from in. Oh, I bet you he was like a. I don't know what he was. I mean, I, I didn't know. You were twenty-eight. Eh? Yeah. Anyway, so. So they said, well. 
he says that you you know you're supposed to meet him here. I said no, I don't know who this man is. Mm -hmm. Call the police, and they wouldn't do it. So I called the police. So the police came, and they took him away. Really? Yeah, they did. He was saying, "Well, she's my fiance. I wanted to spend some time with her." And oh da, my da, da. God! How uh -huh. the hell? That's what was strange. That's why you should never travel by yourself. Okay. That's so, super scary. You never told me that. No. And then... So then, the next morning, they were supposed to um, take me to Norman. And this guy... Were you all freaked out? Did you sleep? Yeah, I told them what happened. So he, And that in Washington, D.C., they were having a big poor people's campaign and it was raining and it was all muddy and there was camp it would everybody was camped out for Martin Martin Luther King had been killed eh mm -hmm. so they were all converging on uh, Washington DC so this guy his name was Romero he was from the Chicano group and he said they want you and me to go to give Martin Luther King, uh, Reverend Ralph Abernathy, who had replaced Martin Luther King, a letter saying that they should not use us as part of their campaign. They do not speak for us, but, you know, we support whatever they do, but we're, we don't have the same... Uh, the Black Panthers that, or the Black the Black Pan the No, it was not the Black Panthers. It was whatever that Martin Luther King gang oh, okay, was. okay, yeah, yeah. And so I had this letter, and it it was okay, you know, just said that. Did you write it, or you guys drafted it all up together? Him and me, we wrote it, and then we got the okay, and then they said okay. So they got airline tickets for us to go to Washington. So I don't know why they picked me. I guess it's because I was already in Oklahoma. And they figured that I would make sure it would get to that guy. So we got into Washington, and then we had to go over to the monument, Lincoln Monument, and most of the grounds there were just filthy, muddy, and that's where all the, they had tents and everything. It was called the, uh, it, it was a camp. So, anyway, we went to the tent. Somehow they knew about us coming. They were aware, because they had made them aware that we were going to be there to deliver a message. So we got taken into this big tent, and this Abernathy had these great big guys, big security, that big muscles. They're all standing around, you know, because Martin, Martin Luther King had just been murdered. Eh? Yeah. So we sat down, we were facing him, and I read the letter. And I don't remember everything in it, but just basically <laughs> I did, we, we said that we supported you and what you wanted, but... We don't. You cannot speak for us because we don't want the same things as you. And what's that? Well, they wanted to be equal to the white man and get, you know, education and uh, scholarships and better housing and, you know, desegregated schools. That's what they wanted. That's and I enough. said, and I said that's fine. Yeah. But us, we don't want that. Mm -hmm. We want to have our treaty rights. We want our land rights. We want our own schools. And we want to speak our own language, you know. Mm -hmm. So it was totally opposite. So and is that what we the said, Chicanos whatever wanted? You get, but is that what the Chicanos wanted too? Yeah. 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 
So I, so we said if if you make if you become successful in what you're getting, it means that we don't get anything. Mm-hmm. So we have to separate. You support us, we support you. We're not enemies. So I remember that. Yeah. But it wasn't a long letter. It was just one page. So anyway. So then uh, Abernathy. So the press was all there. They were waiting for us to come out and make a statement. So. We had copies made. I made about 500 copies of it. Of the letter? Yeah. Uh, he did, they didn't know that, though. So anyway, so then Abernathy says, okay, we're going to go out together and we'll make a statement together to the press. Oh, I remember this story. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So we go out there and they completely surround Abernathy and the press and keep us out. Mm-hmm. You and that Romero guy? Romero, yeah. <clears throat> And he spoke instead on our behalf. Like exactly what we didn't want want them to do. Yeah. Son of a I bitch. was so mad. We were double-crossed, eh? Yeah. So then I said, well, we went around. He went this way. I went that way. And we started handing out copies of the letter that we had presented. And then we walked away from it. <laughs> what do you think of that? Yeah. That's what we did. So that created a problem. Big situation, but anyway, I don't care. I, we did what we had to do, so we went over to this high school where the Chicanos were staying. It's full of Chicanos, and they had food and they were cooking stuff. Anyway, so I stayed there. So while we're there, while we're there, somebody comes over to to that place and says there was an invitation from the Kennedy family. To go and be by the graveside. Directly from the Kennedy family? Yes. It was directly from the Kennedy family. So they got one of their... Uh... So they got one of their people. I don't know who it was, but he came over. You can take and they name. wanted some Owemunwe and they wanted Chicanos to come on this bus, you know, to pick up a bus and then just go be transported up there. There were, I think, two buses. So... So they all said, well, I should go. And, and uh, this Romero guy and a bunch of us. There must have been about maybe ten of us. Mm-hmm. So we go to where, where we were supposed to go. And Jesse Jackson was there. The Reverend Jesse? The Reverend Jesse Jackson. And he, just had, sign, he had signs made up. All kinds of things about, you know, the black people. For at the funeral, though? This was at the funeral, right? This was at the bus where we were boarding. And he had these little kids, and they were dressed in rags. And they were going to carry these signs. Mm-hmm. I said to... I forget what that guy's name was. Romero name was. guy? Romero. I said, you know, this is not right. He says, yeah, I feel very uncomfortable. I said... And, they want, and then Jesse Jackson was trying to make us carry those signs. What would the sign say? Well, calling down uh, the government, calling down... You don't do that at a funeral. No. Bad. So Bad anyway, manners. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, I said, you know, if we have something to say, you know, we've already said it, so let's just be done with that. Let's go and we'll, you know, we'll be... We'll uh, respect the family. That's what we, so we decided that. So this Jesse Jackson came along and he wanted, me, he wanted us to uh, carry those crazy signs and he had this bunch of whole bunch of kids all dressed in 
you know, overalls and they were torn and one side was, and, <laughs> ah, what the hell? It's just a, yeah. A it was notion. a show. He used it as a show. Yeah, it's not And fair. I thought that was wrong. I really did think it was wrong. Yeah. Even if I didn't like the Kennedys, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Anyway, and the first bus, that's where the action was, you know. I said, let's get on the last bus there. I said, okay. <laughs> so we got on the last bus. So we got up there, and we had to stay there all afternoon. And we saw the Kennedy family. We were right by the graveside. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we were just over to one side. I wonder if you could find you in pictures. You could. You might. <clears throat> you could look for it, but I don't know. Anyway, so that's the story there. So what happened after that? Well, I went back to um, Oklahoma. For what? For that meeting. And I, we made oh, a Oh, that was like all in like one weekend? Or it like was in a matter a of a days? couple of days. Really? Yeah. Like you went to Texas? Or you, no, I or didn't no not to, Texas, sorry. You were at the O'Hare Airport and then you... And you went to Oklahoma. And then to Oklahoma. And then, then Washington, D.C. Yeah. And then back to Oklahoma. And then the meeting was with And then the we Chicago reported was, what happened. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of that? It was a crazy thing, eh? And then what happened, though, um, I remember there's an... Oh, so did they end up uh, understand? Did people get the letter then? Did they get the message? They got the message, but didn't do anything. They, they didn't... Stood, they, no, they actually, actually, no, no, no. They had some Ogunhunwe that were marching with them. I remember one guy. With who? An old guy, with the blacks. With yeah. the blacks. And I remember him. I remember what he looked like, too. And he was had a feather in the back, and he had a blanket around him. He was an older guy, you know? And uh, I think after that, after that, they did start to respect us. And then they started not having us as, you like know. Like a lump, all the colored people together? Or like yeah, but all they, the got, like more out of, they together. got more out of being associated with us and pretending to be speaking for us. They got more out of it. But when we said no, then eventually they just, you know, they pulled back. So that, it did have an effect. It did. Mm -hmm. I'll put some cream on my, feel my face, how dry it gets. So there you go. That is the time Ma found herself at Robert Kennedy's funeral. Honestly, Mom, like, legit is the female native Forrest Gump. I wonder if the Chicano guy Romero she was with is still around. That would be really cool to track him down and pick his brain, right? Is it the part with the weird guy following her to the hotel scary? Ugh, I hate that shit. Thinking of my mom all alone in her 20s and this guy just zeroing in on her. Or maybe it was like... The FBI. Huh? They were all over the goddamn place. You never know. Trust no one. What I always took away from this story was her and Romero's mission. And that was just to deliver a message to the people involved with and behind the Poor People's Campaign in Washington, D.C. The basic message being, we support and respect you and your wishes. But what we are fighting for is not the same. So please do not speak for us. I mean, I think that's a fair request. Ralph Abernathy and his people were looking for economic justice. The Chicanos and the Red Power Movement were after, well, well, what we are still after to this day. 
taking back the control of our land and resources. So, you guys, that's it for episode 13 of Coffee with My Ma, season one. That's it for season one. I'm not sure if you all realize how this project actually really changed my life. I knew I needed a creative outlet badly, and finding this medium that came with essentially no rules was really empowering in a time that I needed it. It's helped me with my writing skills, it's sort of helped me focus as a storyteller, and it's just kind of helped with my overall confidence, if I'm being real. I feel so lucky to have found a safe place to express myself, and you listeners are seriously the best. It never gets old hearing from random people that they feel like they know Ma and are excited to hear the next story. And I know that this project means a lot to my mother, once she figured out what it was, right? <laughs> she went through a lot of shit in her life and encountered a lot of rotten people along the way. So I think you guys make her feel like the bullshit she went through and the adventures she went on weren't for nothing. I mean, if not just a good story, right? And that was the final episode of season one. A huge nyawangoa to our editor from season one, Rick Penn, and to our current editor, Brady Cross. Nyawangoa to Christy Lane Sinclair for the theme music and to Danita Glado for designing our logo and website. To our sponsor, Moccasin Joe Coffee, and to Canada Council for the Arts for making season two possible. Nyawangoa to all you fantastic listeners for stopping by and having coffee with me and my ma. Onagiwahi zewokwego. Talk you need. Talk you need. Talk you need. <laughs>